Hello, and welcome to this Unheard Short. I'm Charlie Pickles. I am joined by Peter Franklin. Hi, Charlie. So, today uh, we are unpacking, not an unpacked, but an article that Peter has written. And he is actually now writing an essay every week for us. So um, a longer kind of, I suppose, a bit more personal piece, um, which we thought it would be good to have a look at and have a chat about. So the piece that we are going to discuss today is entitled 10 Vested Interests the Tories failed to tackle. And Peter, the subtitle, if you like, uh, for the piece is A Government is Only as Good as Its Enemies Are Bad. Can you just explain to me what that means? Okay, well, it starts from the position that one of the big enemies of opportunity um, are vested interests, people who grab more of the economy than they produce not because they're needy, not because for some reason they can't work, but because they're good at exploiting monopolies, good at um, manipulating regulation, things like that, and thereby get um, a much bigger share of the economy than rarely they contribute to in any meaningful way. So in economic terms, the rent seekers, effectively. Exactly, yes. And, And so what we're saying is that Um, these are precisely the people that a government should be targeting. Absolutely. And um, vested interests are concentrated interests, right? They they gain as individuals a lot more than the rest of us lose because of their activities, right? So um, they're going to lobby harder. But government and political parties that are representing all of us are our natural defenders, And when they fail to root out vested interests, I think they fail fundamentally in their mission, especially if, like the Conservative Party, um, your slogan, your recent conference slogan was opportunity. Opportunity for who? Most people or just some people, you know? And if you want it to be most people, then you have to take on the vested interests. And that's what I think they failed to do. And so this um, piece... Again, 10 vested interests the Tories failed to tackle and are continuing to fail to tackle, I might add, um, was part of our series entitled What's Killing Conservatism. And as you say, at the recent party conference, uh, it was all about opportunity. And yet there was very little said about taking on some of these vested interests that, quite frankly, are are what is undermining people's faith in conservatism, faith in capitalism, faith in free markets, the things that typically conservatives would champion. So we don't have time to go through all 10 of our vested interests today, uh, though they are all brilliant. And I do recommend you go and check out the full uh, essay, uh, unheard.com. But we're going to pick three for our listeners. And we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, those vested interests and why they're so damaging and why the conservatives should be, you know, taking the fight to them. So we're going to start off with um, an old favourite at Unheard and a particular favourite for me and Peter. Uh, We discuss this issue quite frequently and that is landowners. So Peter, why are we talking about landowners as vested interests, as kind of almost enemies that uh, the Tories need to uh, take on? Well, this certainly isn't about disputing um, people's rights to own property. What isn't so good is when land prices go sky high because of other people's efforts and yet the landowner 
um, captures um, all or most of the uplift in values. Now, this is something that, and, and that can be created just by a planning decision, by the way. And yet, we, def- we seem to think that they're entitled to the lot of it, or at least the government does, right? So, I mean, one of the things that we talk about a lot is um, how you might therefore tax those unearned uh, or that unearned income yes but before we get into that uh which is fascinating and vital and something the conservative party should certainly be looking at um there is also a sort of added layer where it's not just that um landowners are benefiting uh, excessively if you like yes. from um community or collective investment or planning decisions or whatever yes. but actually the um they're behaving quite badly themselves. Mm. And, and this links to the issues of land banking and land speculation. And can you just talk a little bit about um, the behaviour of these landowners and why actually, even almost setting aside the taxation question and the value question, we, at the very least, should be tackling the way they are exploiting their position? Well, uh, land is obviously sold to the big private developers, And there's uh, a lot of accusations that they're land banking, which means sitting on lands with planning permission or that could soon be granted planning permission um, and uh, not building it out in order to uh, restrict the supply of housing and uh, therefore keep prices up high. Now, there's a big controversy over whether this is happening or not. But there's one way that any possibility of it could be removed, and that is by taking land ownership out of the hands of the developers. That really what ought to happen, as has happened at certain points in our history in the past, like the building of the post-war new towns, is that land is bought by the states or some agency of the states at not much more than farm values, and then it is made um, available for development. And so that means that the builders compete on how fast and how um, and the quality of their build and the affordability of it, not on their ability to corner the land market and drive up land prices and therefore house prices. You know, having building more houses is not good enough. What people who can't get onto the property ladder need is more affordable houses and that won't happen until we stop speculators and developers from pushing up the price of land Um, unfortunately this government and (laughs) most governments before it have rarely failed to tackle those deep-rooted problems and of course um, I believe uh, it's true to say that the Conservative Party um, benefit from funding or donations uh, from um, certainly uh, housing developers. So there is a bit of a crony capitalist aspect to this. And why is it important for the Conservatives? Well, because if the Conservatives, given that certainly in the UK and indeed is what's happening in quite a lot of European countries, are facing a much harder left opposition, um, then actually the Conservatives need to be able to sell capitalism as something that benefits 
the majority yeah. uh, and you can't really or you're unlikely perhaps to be uh, as pro-capitalist if you have no capital and therefore ensuring that people can be homeowners is central to ensuring that they will actually uh, believe in what the Conservatives stand for, which is a kind of free market capitalist Indeed. economy. You can either believe in a property-owning democracy or you can defend the landed interest. You can't do both. There we go, Theresa May. Peter Franklin has spoken. Do something about the landowners. Uh, okay, our second uh, vested interest that we have chosen, a fan favourite, the bankers. Why have we picked, or why have you, sorry, uh, Peter, picked the bankers? Well, I draw a comparison with the riots of 2011, where, you know, for a few <laughs> consecutive nights, it looked really quite hairy what was going on, you know. There were a few deaths, there was massive looting, there was um, arson. And it seemed to be spreading by social media as well, which was a sort of new element. Um, What happened in the aftermath, though, was really interesting. Um, It was a demonstration of the power of CCTV. And images were widely shared in, in newspapers and by the police... And the looters, the rioters, were systematically identified. They were hauled into court. They were heavily fined. A lot of them received um, prison sentences. It was kind of a shock and awe demonstration of actually, no, there is no no more anonymity of the mob. You're not going to get away with this. We put the resources into making sure that people that had done the wrong thing got punished and punished in an exemplary fashion. In the true sort of sense of this will be a deterrent for any uh, ideas that people might get in the future for behaving in the same fashion. Exactly, and there's been no repeat on anything like the scale that we saw back then. Compare that to what arguably is a hugely more expensive disaster, which was the financial crash of... 2007, 2008, and the very deep and long recession that followed it. How many bankers got truly punished? Um, None, maybe? Well, there was the odd thing. There was the odd thing where there were definite frauds, like the LIBOR fraud case, and there were some prosecutions there. Uh, But they were actual specific things rather than being party to, you know, some pretty poor behaviour, which ultimately ended up in the crash. Well, was it just poor behaviour? Is it really possible to create that many fundamentally dodgy investments and no crime was committed. There was no fraud, really. Now, obviously, you have to find evidence of it to prosecute it. But how hard did they look? I wasn't aware of anything analogous to what happened after the riots happening to the bankers. And really, something should have done. Um, at the very least, we should have seen um, some sort of naming and shaming of some of the most irresponsible, if not criminal, behaviour. But apart from um, the former Sir Fred Goodwin losing his knighthood, there was very little of that. It was as if it was all just a terrible, terrible misfortune and no one was really to blame. I think that's pretty bad. Obviously, uh, the immediate aftermath, Labour was still in power, 
But the Conservatives could have done something a few years out. I was not aware of it. It was soon back to let's praise the city as if nothing untoward had happened. And if we take uh, what happened to the looters uh, in the 2011 riots... Uh, and we perhaps draw a bit of a comparison uh, to our financial looters uh, because ultimately an awful lot of people, um, ordinary people, lost savings, lost homes that they could no longer uh, afford to pay mortgages on because of what happened as a result of the crash or having been uh, sold, I mean, irresponsible uh, mortgages in the first place. Yes. Um, You know, you could argue that is a form of financial looting, given what happened. Mm. And yet most of those bankers, if indeed they did lose their jobs, um, did so landing in, you know, kind of wonderful mansions with very hefty uh, golden parachutes in the millions uh, and going off to live their luxurious lives. So you can sort of understand why um, the majority of people in the UK, if you look at polling and indeed in the US as well, and Unheard has done polling on this, feel that... um, in a capitalist system, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and also that the model of capitalism we have is very much rigged. And we used to have a model of capitalism, of course, a model, a banking model, in which if a bank went down, then the directors of the bank would go down with it, but no longer. There we go then, the bankers are target number two for the Conservatives. Uh, and then finally, our target number three that we have picked is the government itself, which, you know, I have to say, um, seems to me to be the most obvious one that the Conservatives would take on. You know, I mean, the Conservatives generally are about small state um, and therefore want to sort of shrink uh I mean, I'm not saying to a particular size, but shrink the size of government. Whereas you can sort of see, you know, they get a lot of money probably from wealthy people that might be in banking and the landowners, as I mentioned, and the uh, land developers. But government, why on earth hasn't this Conservative Party uh, taken on the bureaucracy that we have? Well, um, I'm interpreting government sort of fairly widely here. I'm including Parliament and the the overall Uh, political system the machine yes exactly um and i'm not sure that too many spellers were thrown into the machine um even rarely small reforms that were promised um like shrinking the number of mps from 650 to 600 uh which was i think it was part of the the 2010 conservative manifesto um, part of the manifesto in 15 and 17 as well still hasn't happened and there's kind of uh, fairly sort of um, serious doubts as to whether it will happen by the time of the next election so you know it's all very well saying oh we must cut this and that because you know we've got no choice but to pursue a course of austerity but when you can't cut your own numbers by just 50 out of 650 it just looks like massive hypocrisy and it looks like weakness as well and there is an extension though to the civil service as well um and you know i can remember when the coalition government came to power awful lot of work done by um francis maud who at the time was in the cabinet office was the minister for the cabinet office um around reforming whitehall you know making it more efficient Mm. kind of reforming the civil service the way it worked trying to strip out some of the bureaucracy and how far really have the government made progress on that Not very. Um, I'll give you a small example. Uh, I think it was one of the things um, proposed 
by Francis Maud. And that was something called the Extended Ministerial Office, which was just a sort of slightly wordy way of saying, actually, ministers should have more people in the departments that are on their side, that aren't career politicians or career civil servants, but outside um, experts with a real grounding, a real practical experience in a particular area of policy that desperately needs reform. Um, and, you know, so why not bring these people in? They might be in for, you know, two or three years helping ministers do their job, helping them shape and push through reforms. And after two or three years, they'll go back to what they were doing before. So they won't have a vested interest in not challenging the system, right, which is a big problem with the existing system, um, is that, um, you know, if you're a civil servant and you want to become a more senior civil servant in the future, you're not going to whistleblow on... Don't on, rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. <laughs> don't point out grotesque inefficiency. And certainly don't put your hands yes. up and be accountable for anything that goes wrong. No, absolutely. Um, and don't, don't suggest anything too exciting or different because you're allowed to fail in the same way as everyone else. But if you fail in a way that's unique and interesting, <laughs> why are you in for it? So... So this is the trouble with a closed system, a hierarchical system, is that it's inherently stagnant, which is why you need to bring in fresh blood. It's like the aristocracy, if they, if they hadn't married commoners, they'd all have two heads by now. And unfortunately, unfortunately, um, this, this is the nature of the way we're run. So extended ministerial offices was a way of bringing in more people. Except they scrapped it. The senior civil service didn't like this because, oh gosh, these are outsiders that are second-guessing us. We don't like that. And unfortunately, the sort of people that run Downing Street don't like it because of a rather paranoid mindset that wants all the resources at, right at the centre and actually doesn't want their, the cabinet ministers, let alone junior ministers, to be equipped and resourced to think for themselves. And um, even something as modest as the extended ministerial office system was lost, scrapped. Unbelievable. Well, there we go. So our top three within a top 10 uh, of vested interests that the Tories really should have taken on and really haven't tried to take on. Uh, so that was the landowners, the bankers and the government itself. Um, if you want to know what the other seven vested interests are, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to go to unheard.com and read Peter's fascinating essay. Um, do also check out the rest of the series, uh, What is Killing Conservatism. There's a brilliant, um, slightly longer read essay from James Kirkup uh, with lots of recommendations and suggestions to the Tory party about how they can revive themselves and actually uh, deliver for the majority of the country and not just our vested interests or a wealthy you. Um, please do let us know if there are other articles uh, on the Unheard site that you would like us to discuss and unpack. You can tweet those at us or uh, feel free to post your requests on Facebook and uh, we will try our best to uh, explore them, look at them, discuss them and hopefully add a little more value. Um, and of course, do subscribe if you haven't already and do rate the podcast 
highly uh, if you have enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Peter, uh, for, as ever, uh, a brilliant and informative piece. And do tune in next time. (laughs) 